more and more in the beginning of February, the term Corona and coronavirus appeared. And we thought that this might be an interesting starting point for actually developing an automated and algorithmic measurement of how much businesses in the US and then also extrapolated from this certain industries and industry groups perceive their business risks related to um, to to COVID-19, to the coronavirus and the, the pandemic and all the um, economic consequences that, that come and came along with it. Hello and welcome to Exploring Digital Spheres. In today's special episode, we welcome Dr. Fabian Stefani and Dr. Fabian Bresemann. Both of our guests work as social data scientists at the University of Oxford. Together with their colleagues in Oxford and Berlin, Fabian and Fabian have developed the Co-Risk Index, an economic indicator for industry-specific risk assessment related to COVID-19. A highly relevant issue in these times of crisis. So let's just jump directly into our conversation. Today's topic, the co-risk index, the first real-time measure of industry risk assessment associated to COVID-19. My guests today, Fabian Stefani and Fabian Bresemann. Please be so kind and introduce yourself quickly. Yeah, um Thanks a lot for this opportunity. My uh, name is Fabian Stefani. I'm a data scientist, computational social scientist at the Oxford Internet Institute at the University of Oxford. Yeah, hello. And my name is equally Fabian, Fabian Bresemann. I'm a social data scientist uh, at the University of Oxford, at the Site Business School and research associate at the Oxford Internet Institute. Tell us, how did you come to create such an index? What was the idea, motivation, but also maybe your professional back background and expertise? Yeah, maybe to the direct background of this whole index. So um, in last winter, we started a collaboration with a couple of researchers and students in Berlin. And the first idea we had was to organize a hackathon, a datathon for social data scientists. So not like a typical Kaggle competition, where computer scientists and others interested in data science work on a, let's say, cooperational predictive model or anything like this, but rather applying data science skills for the public good, for a social science question. So we were just meant to meet with the organizational committee in March here in Berlin. And this was one of the reasons why we actually came to Berlin in March. And this was in that week when all the lockdown and, and everything happened. So we were basically then stuck with a kind of good idea that already had some um, traction and had to realize that this event could not happen. So um, the other members of this organization committee, which is um, students from um, Oxford and Berlin, so we thought that we should come up with a research question that better speaks to our expertise, so something around economics. And I think this is where Fabian could now explain how we then eventually came up with the research idea We eventually went further. Yeah, I mean, during my uh, during a previous engagement um, job, I I had been working with um, the the documents that are essentially building up this this index, this co-risk index. That's the way we called it. Um, 
And um, looking at these documents, which are um, filings that companies have to deliver to the authorities in the United States, to so the Securities and Exchange Commission, um, I realized that beginning in February, the term corona and coronavirus appeared in these statements. So essentially, these statements are meant to be um, a cautious remark. I'm meant to inform the authorities in the United States about the risks that companies, that businesses in the U.S. are facing. And um, the interesting thing about these statements are that um, the companies can't just write what they want, so they have to be pretty precise. They 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 shouldn't overemphasize risks um, because then the investors and, and people on the market would get scared. But they can't also um, they shouldn't hide risks in these statements because otherwise, if the economy goes um, belly up, they could have been they they can be held um, accountable for this basically. Um, and so these these statements are, are pretty interesting for for research for researchers looking at the risks that companies are facing, um, as these companies have to be pretty accurate and precise in describing the risks. And in these statements, um, more and more in the beginning of February, the term Corona and coronavirus appeared, and we thought that this might be an interesting starting point for actually developing an automated and algorithmic measurement of how much businesses in the US and then also extrapolated from this certain industries and industry groups perceive their business risks related to um to to covid-19 to the coronavirus and the the pandemic and all the um economic consequences that that come and came along with it uh, to say um one more word about how this uh, whole index came into into place so we were to combine our motivation and interest in data science with Fabian's recent experiences working with this data set But it was not that it was a completely planned and well-organized project right at the beginning. So we had this idea we wanted to do something with it. So we had the hammer. Now with the corona crisis, as Feynman just described, we had the nail. <laughs> we wanted to hit it, but maybe we were not, let's say, uh, not a squad of uh, uh, not some kind of special unit trained in, in producing research in, in, in no time. But in any case, we wanted to do something. So we worked really we worked really hard we had kind of two, uh, two calls a day so one at 11 in the morning and one in the afternoon at uh, four or five and um, we were surprised how fast this whole process actually could go and how quickly we could get results and we started on a we had our first discussion on a friday evening so we started on saturday the 21st and by the 27th the paper was already there but if you guys have a look online um, all the versions are published on the archive Currently, the version online is version 1.3, so the third version. If you look at the first version, it looks very different, to be, to say the least. And this was due to this kind of unplanned nature. And this, I'm just saying this because I think this is the reality of all data science projects. They seldomly start with a well-cut, thought-through theoretical models. Yeah, I mean, as you said, it was pretty messy, but we were, um, we were strongly motivated by, um, by our anger towards COVID because uh, this whole situation had taken away our precious datathon that we planned. And so we needed to, we needed to find a way to fight back in, uh, in some way. Yeah. And as, as Fabian said, as social scientists, we thought this might be our most valuable contribution actually to, um, to do something in this, in this very extreme and turbulent times. Sounds like a pretty profi professional unit to me. <laughs> so well done. Oh, there were so many discussions that were maybe not <laughs> just all kind of uh, 
confident and professional. So at some point in the middle of the first week, when we were all kind of overworked, I think uh, none of us was believing that this is so professional. Yeah, but it's, I, I guess you're right. That's pretty much the reality of, um, of, of data science teams and data science challenges these days, yeah. But at the same time, if I may say, this was also the fun part, right? I yeah. think I can speak for all six of us. Um, it was the... Um, most kind of teamwork-like project we ever worked on because as everyone um, in academia knows, oftentimes you sit in the library alone, whether you do data analysis, whether you do literature, <laughs> review, whatever, seldomly you work intensively with others. Yes. This was actually also the motivation and I think why the six of us could um, motivate us for this kind of, let's call it sprint rather than a yeah. marathon. Yeah. Now it turned into a marathon, unfortunately, but uh, yeah. this is also reality. But sorry, yeah also something positive out of that crisis yeah. okay but now i'm of course very curious what are your findings from all that constantly collected and analyzed data yeah so i mean essentially the um the the index the the idea of measuring risks um business risks um, is is not entirely new. I mean, there are business climate and business barometer indices um, out there. But I think one strong advantage of, of our project is that, um, first of all, it relates, um, it looks at risks that are related exclusively to um, to COVID-19 and to the, the, the economic consequences of the, of the coronavirus um, outbreak. And um, in addition to that, it's very agile. So it's it's constantly updated. It it um, acquires data on a, on a weekly basis. Um, essentially, I think the the work that we the insights that we gained so far, and um, I have to say that they are constantly updated. Of course, this is still ongoing research, but they could be summarized in mainly three um, three takeaways. So one would be it's not um, one size that fits all. So we, we do see from early on clear differences um, in terms of risk awareness, corona-related risk awareness of different industries. So uh, while, for example, um, retail and manufacturing had started to report from early on um, in, in early February and um, and quite steeply increasing in terms of the, the risks that they report, that they associate to corona, um, service sectors like administration or financial services, uh, they, they, they started to rise in our index. These industries started to rise or the values of these industries started to rise at a later stage. So with a certain lag and also not with the same magnitude as, um, as retail and, um, and manufacturing industries, for example, um, did and, and still do. Um, secondly, I would say our uh, data, so um, when we look at different topics, so the different um, topics that are associated to these risks related to, to COVID-19 that businesses report, um, it's the, the crisis unfolding can be really neatly traced actually with the, the data that we, that we gathered. So um, we have, for example, um, an illustration of a heat map that shows the, the different topics, so supply, demand. Uh, finance and travel, for example, and the different industries. And um, so it shows how, um, which topics became more and more relevant uh, in relationship to, um, to COVID um, for different industries. And we see that at the very beginning, um, mainly industries were talking about travel. They were talking about travel restrictions, the impairments um, that were related to people not being able to travel anymore. 
And then if we move along from early February to um, mid-February and end of March, we see that um, the issue of supply became more and more dominant, um, in particularly for, for uh, manufacturing firms, for example. So supply chains, supply chains um, obviously started to break, to break down global supply chains. And um, again, then if we move further on um, the, the, from mid-March to the end of March and also beginning of April, the topic that becomes really, really dominant is now, um, is now demand and particularly for retail. So, uh, the stores started to close down and, and retailers, uh, been, um, getting into severe difficulties, basically selling their, selling their products on the market. If I understand that correctly, the index could be something like an early indicator. Could one go so far and say, It can forecast the future. We are pretty confident from our preliminary findings um, that we have seen so far that this could be the case. Then we hope that we can track this index over the whole course of the crisis. So it started with zero when there was no coronavirus-related issues reported. This was basically in January. Then 30th of January, the first firm in the US reported, with which, which was Levi Strauss, the um, jeans and clothing manufacturer. And we will track it over the whole course until it will reach zero again. And over time, we assume that um, the differences between the industries will become more pronounced. Yeah. Currently, of course, there is a huge trend in the index. It goes up for all industries. But you see differences already, as Fabian just explained them. But over time, when this crisis basically radiates and transits through the complete economy, we assume that it will be some industries already recovering while others are still suffering. So this is why, and basically this is why we want to do it over time, why we want to track it over time, because we assume that first, of course, the worst is not over. And secondly, the most interesting findings have not yet evolved. Even over the course of the past four weeks, we see huge differences, particularly these topic-related issues um, Fabian has just explained they only became apparent now that this whole index moved from supply-focused to demand-focused. Your work focuses on the U.S. market. Surely many people will be interested to make a similar model for other regions. How would that work and would that work? Yeah, I mean, in theory, that's, uh, that's absolutely um, possible. I mean, the, the algorithm, the infrastructure that we constructed is by no means restricted to the US alone. But of course, the, the documents that it's, it's fed with that I mentioned initially are, are documents that are reported to the um, US Securities and Exchange Commission alone. Um, I mean, this leads back to the idea who might be um, the, the main user or the main uh, profiter from, from, from our work. And uh, we think right now that um, we do already know that colleagues working in, in macroeconomics, macroeconomic forecasting or modeling of economic shocks um, are interested in our work. We just had um, two days ago, we had a talk with uh, colleagues in in Oxford who are doing research there. And we believe that um, also in the future, macroeconomists and people doing economic forecasting um, might be able to use our insights and our data for um, calibrating their models. And um, of course, we know that in that they're not only forecasting experts in the US, but also in other regions of the world might be interested in our work. So essentially, um, if I may, I, I could use this as, as an invitation. So whoever has, has, 
data similar to um, to to what we've been analyzing um, for the U.S. So basically, um, similar reports where businesses report a risk and, and their economic um, outlook in a relatively structured and honest fashion. Um, for other countries, we uh, we're happy to get in touch because um, 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 I mean, as we will as we will share our code uh, together with our insights. Um, we're happy to uh, to collaborate with with people, of course, from all around um, the world, and then also potentially extending this index for other regions of the world, if possible. Do these um, firms in the US have to submit these reports? Um, yes, I mean, of course, we're not covering, as Fabian mentioned, we're talking about roughly three thousand documents now. Um, so, broadly speaking, a thousand documents per month. Uh, one can clearly see that this is that not every company in the U.S. Sure. is is reporting here. Um, there are certain requirements that have to be fulfilled. So, um, um, and this also leads back to um, to to our robustness checks. Of course, not every company is reporting. We're not we're not measuring the risk expectations of the local grocery uh, store around the corner. Um, so, companies need to have a certain size. Um, there are certain capital requirements that need to be need to be fulfilled in order for them to um, have the obligation to report um, these state to make these 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 statements. Um, but we are currently in the process of assessing to what ex to what degree these reports are actually uh, representative of the whole um, U.S. economy. But um, we've been getting feedback from colleagues who have been working with uh, with these reports in the past at Notre Dame University and they indicate that broadly speaking um, in terms of industries at least the the reports are, are representative of the US economy but of course we have to um, get closer we have to get hold of how many um, employees for example uh, we're, we're talking about in this case for um, for the specific industries that's something we're currently we're currently working on thanks for clarifying. That was Fabian Stefani and Fabian Bresemann. You can find more on their research in the notes of this episode. For other events and research projects organized by the Alexander von Humboldt Institute for Internet and Society, visit hiig.de. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating or comment on iTunes to help others find the show. For now... This was Exploring Digital Spheres, hosted by me, Bronwyn Deacon.